On the Real Better Life podcast, we dig into the stories, failures, triumphs, and real-life adventures that shape and inform our tribe of real estate advisors in the pursuit of their better lives and those of their clients. It's real, raw, and unashamedly honest. Join Dave Ness, founder and chief troublemaker at Thrive Real Estate Group, for the stories worth telling. Hey everybody, Dave Ness here and Rob Alkema. What up? For yet another episode of our podcast. Uh, if you're listening in from outside of Thrive Real Estate Group, welcome, glad you're here. And if you're listening in from uh, within Thrive Real Estate Group, very glad you're here as well. So today we got um, three, three topics that we wanna cover. They're all interlinked together at some level. The first one is um, how, how do we hold uh, change at Thrive? And, and more specifically, is Thrive changing? Uh, is it becoming more corporate at this point in time? And if you're listening in uh, from outside of Thrive and you're thinking, well, I don't, I'm not there, this is irrelevant, um, stick with me here, stay tuned, because what we're really talking about is change and how to hold it and how to navigate it and how to think about it um, and how to be challenged by it as well. And then our third topic is, um, which is linked, of course, to all this, is uh, has the Thrive avatar changed? In other words, the, the perfect Thrive teammate, the team member that we want to build the company with. And again, if you're an operator from outside of Thrive and you're listening in, um, get the concepts, get the notes here because you too probably have an avatar that you're pursuing and that you want to be part of your team. And as you do that and as you seek those people out, um, hopefully some of the discussion topics today will help clarify that a little bit. So let's do this. Is Thrive changing? <laughs> <laughs> Is Thrive changing and how do you, how do you hold change? Um, you know, I'll throw this out first, Rob. I think that um, I think it's important to define or to point out that everyone thinks about change differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And inherent in change is a certain measure or certain level of um, challenge. Yeah. And so if you're addicted to keeping everything the same, what you really are is addicted to com complacency, in, in my opinion. Yep. And that's true of our marriages, our friendships, our faith, our work, our sports. You know, if, if, if I'm trying to uh, just maintain my health, that's probably something I can do without even really thinking about it, without even really designing anything, without even really having a scoreboard, without even really challenging myself to, to do better. But if I want to grow with my health, if I want to um, have a, a big goal of running a thousand miles in a year, let's say, that's going to call out something in me that needs to be called out. That's going to call me up um, into a better version of, of myself. And there's a obviously a big level of challenge with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because that, that word uh, complacency, I know for you and I, and I bet for a lot of people listening, has such a negative connotation. They just hear it and they're like, oh, gross. No, no, yeah. no. I don't like complacency. Nope, don't associate me with that word. Maybe maybe a different word that isn't such a turnoff to people where people can hear that and go, oh yeah, I you know, I do favor that as certainty. Ah, right? yeah. Like um, someone might have a, a propensity for certainty yep. and they don't like things that threaten that certainty. certainty. Yeah, because in the past, maybe their experiences with uncertainty mm. haven't been good haven't turned out well fair yeah right and then you think about 
um, you know, we work with a lot of athletes and think about how many athletes have entered into phases of uncertainty and had them turn out really, really well. So they've trained their mind that like, oh, uncertainty equals growth, growth, good things, good results. Yeah. Better performance. Yeah. You know, more, more fulfillment, more interesting, um, more adequacy. Right. So, and I guess you could even take that further and say certainty um, usually is not associated with anxiety. Yeah. But the unknown is mm-hmm. for all of us. Yeah. I mean, even, even the people that are listening that go, no, I actually like change and I like challenge. There's a certain level of anxiety that comes with that, that if held right is good. It's motivating. It's, it's, it's well, well, well right. used. And what an appropriate topic because real estate in general is a career that intrinsically has a lot of uncertainty to it. Right. You think about what we're going through no. right now. <laughs> <laughs> It was not that long ago <laughs> that all you heard was, there's no inventory, right? <laughs> right? I got all the buyers in the world and there's no inventory. Nothing, nothing to sell them. To sell them. Yeah. And then here we are sitting with, you know, rates this morning were at 6.52% on a 30 year loan. Right. Right. And now it's, you know, uh, rates are high and nobody wants to buy. And, you yeah. know, it's completely switched from a seller's market to a buyer's market. And it's a whole new set of challenges. And it's like, Six months from now, it's going to be something totally different. something totally different. Yeah. Yeah. But there's an intrinsic amount of uncertainty in the market in general. And then within any one transaction, there's an incredible amount of uncertainty. There's so much you can't control. Yeah. The main main milestones, inspections, appraisals, like it's, you just kind of have to adapt. Yeah. And And so is Thrive changing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Because um, I think you and I have a propensity for uncertainty. Yes. Right. A, yes. A lot of thrivers do. Yeah. Of, let's explore new boundaries. Let's be on the cutting edge. Let's let's do things that nobody else is doing in a way that nobody else is doing them. Do you have a funny story about that? Just an illustration. Yeah. Go. I can't remember. It was a it was a, it was a comedian, uh, Stephen Wright, I think it is. Super dry, like very dry. And he describes this this uh, scenario or this scene to the audience. He says, he says, hey, you guys know when you're leaning back in a chair so far that <laughs> you start to wobble just a little yeah, bit I know where you're going with and, and you realize, oh, I could totally fall over in that feeling of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I pretty much feel like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so there are, I think there are dispositions or personality types or whatever you want to call it that lend itself to mm-hmm. that, to that type of change. But uh, you're right. Whether, whether you have that personality or have that propensity or not, the, the reality is in this industry um, we have to embrace change. And, and so specifically with Thrive, because the, the question that I think some of our teammates ask is, oh man, it feels like Thrive is changing. It feels like we're losing who we were. We're losing the soul of the company, you know, that, that mm-hmm. type of language. And, you know, one, one of the ways I like to think about it is um, organizations, and in our context, it's a real estate brokerage, are no different than human beings. Mm-hmm. And I have a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 15-year-old kid. And so when I think about my nine-year-old, Bennett, um, is he going to change in the next three, four, five years? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I want him to change. I need him to change. I love him just the way that he is. But as he matures, as he gets older, as he discovers new things about himself, as he peels back layers of who he is and grows into the man that he's going to become, 
um, he's going to change. There's no question about it. He's going to have different beliefs. He's going to have different discoveries. He's going to have different experiences. And that's going to shape and mold who he is. And, and I have the honor and the privilege, of course, of helping that to happen in, in a good and, and appropriate way. And so I think that organizations are no different and our company is no different. As our company grows, and we just had our 10-year anniversary, right? So we're, we're a 10-year-old. <laughs> we're just like Bennett, right? In, in a way, we're just like Bennett. And so over the next 10 years, as we move towards being 20 years old, and, and we go through that, are we going to change? Are we going to have new discoveries about ourselves? Are we going to peel back layers and find new things that we didn't know before? Yes, 100%. Fundamentally, we haven't changed. We're still the organization that we ha always have been. Um, I'll name this in the very beginning of Thrive when we had four or five people. And this kind of gets into the avatar, I guess, uh, which was point number three, but we'll just shuffle the deck here. Yeah. But uh, yeah. ha has the avatar changed? Has the target audience for you know, people that are joining Thrive, has that changed? And I look at it and go, it really hasn't. It's just that in the beginning, when you think about the, the first four to five people that were at Thrive, they were competitive internally and externally. Like mm -hmm. they, they competed with themselves and they competed with their teammates. They were growth minded. They liked challenge. They didn't want to be certain all the time. They wanted to expand. They wanted to grow. They wanted to advance. That was just implicit in who we were. It was implicit in who I was. So I think people that were like-minded were naturally attracted to the organization. And, and it never had to be written down. It never, there was no job description. We didn't have a website that said that. We didn't have uh, you know, recruiting materials or documents that kind of outlined these things or spelled those things out. It just happened organically. But as an organization grows, just assuming that everyone that is attracted to Thrive is gonna be that way is short-sighted. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna happen. You're not gonna scale and grow a impact or a company or an organization without being more explicit, without saying, hey, this is who we are. This is our declaration. This is our mission, vision, values. We have to have words and illustrations and, and, and ways of describing it. And if there was any, if there was any um, shortfall within that, let's face it, there was a season where we were attracting people at scale and we didn't have those things. We didn't have those tools. We didn't have mission, vision, values. We didn't have these things explicitly spelled out. And so, and so some of those folks uh, maybe potentially joined an organization that they didn't realize, oh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a growth oriented advancement mindset type people it just seemed cool it just seemed cool and it is yeah. it's super cool right and who wouldn't want to hang out with people that are at the top of their game of course yeah, yeah everyone's attracted to that yep. and so um so yeah i think there's there's implicit change within an organization as you scale um that you have to be a little bit more explicit you have to be a little bit more pronounced in who you are and where you want to go so that even the brand new people that are joining a, a 70 plus organization at this point understand what that looks like and how that works. Yeah, yeah, and I, I put a note down here while you were talking, and uh, the phrase I wrote down was growth motivation, mm. right? And what I mean by that is I can see where somebody would be uh, wary as an organization is growing, like, hey, why are you guys so hell-bent on growth? <laughs> yeah. Right? And I, I think that's worth pausing and talking about pretty explicitly, mm. right, is... Mm -hmm. The number of times you and I have talked about growth and how little 
financials or the bottom line or um, I'm using air quotes your picture of retirement yes come up in those conversations yeah. is is ludicrous it's like that's that's not at all the thing that drives this desire for growth I know the thing that we're really aligned on is mm-hmm. this desire for um, scaling our impact yep right the impact that we have on clients because of the way we do real estate yep. and how we handle a client's you know money emotions dreams yep. you know very carefully and very gingerly um, you know the the way we handle an advisor's career yeah right the way you handle um, the type of impact that you have on every single person that's a part of the organization and how those are intertwined right yeah like, we just see like oh my gosh you need more clients having the kind of experience they have with Thrive. Yep. Right? Number one rated customer experience on Zillow of any team or brokerage in the nation. Yep. You need more advisors having the Thrive kind of experience at whatever brokerage mm-hmm. they land at. Um, you know, and, and you need more, uh, you know, I think about like the growth partners and the ability for people to move up and have more of an impact on each other. Yeah. Right. You just think about. The implications of scaling a, a team yeah, so that you can impact more people and help the people that you're working with move to their better life. Yeah, that's a, that's a story worth telling. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like that's the thing that, that I know gets us out of bed in the morning. Um, and I'm not speaking just for the two of us. I know I'm speaking for a pretty huge percentage yeah. of Thrive. But I think it's it's easier to feel good about the changes accompanying growth when you understand the motivation behind yes. growth. Yeah. I wouldn't trust us. Mm if the motivation was so we could retire faster or have nicer <laughs> houses or, or bigger boats or right, right. you know, more vacation homes or things yeah. like that, that would be that'd be really shallow and self serving. Yeah, it'd be short sighted and, and yeah. Yeah, small in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the thing that comes along with that desire for what you just talked about in terms of growth is the the question then gets begged, how do you do that? How do you do that well? Yeah. How do you do that effectively? How do you do that um, at scale? Yeah. And so a, a lot of times I think people think about growth and go, yeah, 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 I want that. I want to I wanna grow too. I, I, I'm attracted to that. And then you start talking about some of the things that have to be in place in order to do that, like measurement. Yeah, <laughs> like processes. You, you have to measure it. You, the the yeah. phrase, of course, that we love is um, we measure what we treasure, right? And mm-hmm. so age-old uh, example if someone says I definitely want to lose 20 pounds I, I treasure being fit and they're not stepping on a scale twice a day or they don't own a scale I'm, yeah, I'm calling BS like <laughs> right. you know that's not what you really want you want to say yep. that that's what you really want because it's cool to say it at the bar but that's not really what you want yeah and so and there's no getting around that like it doesn't matter what sports team you're on industry you're in real estate some other sales performance driven type industry you have to measure it and so you look at those things and you go, well, whether it's on an Excel spreadsheet or a sticky note or a whiteboard or a leaderboard or a CSU, which is what we use, if you're not if you're not engaging in those things, then that idea of of growth, what it does is it lacks challenge. And so then then you start thinking about, all right, in in a what we call the liberated culture, you've got a perfect balance between support, the tools, the resources, the financials, the leadership, and challenge, the expectations, the 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 line of sight of leaderboards and metrics and measures, you've got the, per- the perfect dichotomy between that. And no one's, no one's ever going to build an organization that is perfectly balanced in both ways. You tilt one way or the other, sometimes you get a little too challenging maybe or get a little bit too supportive and lack some challenge. But that idea that we started this whole thing with was, is Thrive changing 
And if so, how does that look? And the challenge that is is inherent in change. Like you can't pursue change, you can't pursue growth, you can't pursue advancement without a, a certain measure of challenge. And that challenge has to be somewhat visible. It can't just be anecdotal, it can't just be subjective. It has to be yeah. numerically driven. And and that's where that's where I think sometimes like the dashboards that come in and and the metrics and the data and the numbers, oftentimes for people, that's what feels corporate because we didn't have those things back in the day, quote, mm-hmm. quote. Um, and, and it turns out we well, didn't need them back then, Yeah, but we do now. My guess is you probably did have them. They just weren't as formalized. Correct. They weren't as structured. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And before we jumped on here, we were talking about this, you know, one of my favorite books, um, Predictable Success by Les McCune. Yes. And if you haven't read that, um, it is not one of the best books on on uh, understanding organizations and the phases of organizational growth that I've ever read. At some point, maybe we can get him on here mm. and interview him. But one of the things he talks about is as an organization is growing, um, they go through these different phases. And one of the phases is, you know, it starts off small and they go through something called early struggle, mm-hmm. which is actually a lot of fun because it's that startup mentality of this wild-eyed, mm. ragtag group of dreamers that the are- The garage company. Dude, totally, yeah. that are doing amazing things yeah. and, and literally changing the world, but on a really small scale, right? Right. And at that point, you're so, you're so close to everybody in the organization. Communication happens easier. Yes. You know your place in the organization with quite a bit of certainty. Yeah, because there's only three of you. Yep. <laughs> Adaptability happens so much more rapidly. And then as it scales, you go through what's called whitewater, mm-hmm. where, you know, think of going down a class five rapids. Yes. And you're like, I think we're going to survive this, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and just paddle like hell. Right. right. Just work. Just go to work. Right. And, and to come out of whitewater, the, the way to establish um, order to that chaos is you have to implement processes and systems mm. that are scalable. And and the sort of the pinnacle of organizational success is what he calls predictable success. Yeah. And he defines that as... Um, this analogy of when you push the gas pedal on the car, that is the organization, you know that it's going to move forward. It's going to move forward, yeah. Yep. It's going to advance. And, and so it has to be predictable. Yeah. You have to know. You have to know that the processes and systems and people that you have in place work. Now, what's funny is is organizations start declining when it becomes more about the processes and the systems mm. than it does about the mission and the vision. Right. Right. The actual underlying reason that you're even here. That's right. And the visionaries get bored and it sucks all the life out of them because they're like, I, I can't do processes and systems. And then it just becomes day. managerial day yep. in, day out. Boring. But if it's all vision and charisma yeah. and let's go do this, but without processes and systems. It's a total mess. It's a, it's a cluster. Yeah. And at best I would say it's um, at the end of a, a let's say a year, yep. it ends up being accidental success Yep. where everyone is, is going nervously. Ha ha. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, right. well, the, but how did we ma- how did we do that? And he, everyone's like, I don't know. It was the right. market. It was extrinsic. It, we got lucky. You know, whatever. He uses a term in there. The operators lose their mind because it's too much vision, yeah, and too much dream, and too much charisma, and not enough structure. Totally right. And they're like, we need to stop talking about this and go do something. Yeah, actually right? build something. And so there has to be this healthy balance between those two tensions of mm, love that vision and future, as well as as execution and now yes in process what do we do right now yep and so um one of the things that we've encountered at thrive is as we've grown over the last several years 
um, the growth has happened faster yep. than it did at the past. Did in the past. Very I mean, it so. took um, off the top of my head. It took roughly six years to get to about twenty advisors. Yep. And it yep. took less than two years to get above sixty advisors. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like the 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 trajectory of growth changed pretty dramatically. And I think with that, it was this whole like, wait, wait what? What in the world? Why are we all focused on systems and processes now? Because that was new and different. Right. Right. And we you, didn't need it before. You had them to the you extent. Just, you just didn't need them. So now you're actually creating language and structure yep. around things that existed but weren't clearly defined. 100%. And yeah. you're tweaking them and you're honing them. And it is different, but it's better. Yeah. And I think some, some of the listeners might have even going, why is it why is it better? Why is it better to scale and grow? And, and to be clear and, and blunt, um, you know, we don't have a headcount goal. No, I refuse no. to have one. And I've got a lot of real estate coaches and business mentors and whatever that say, well, you have to have that. And I go, well, I'm not going to um, because I'm not interested in necessarily uh, um, scaling headcount. We're interested in scaling impact. impact. And so you look at it and go, what comes with that? And you go, well, what comes when you scale impact is, for example, more opportunities for the people that are here. Yeah. Right. And so yep. typical real estate brokerages, you go to the, the owner or the managing broker or whatever and say, hey, you know, I've done really well in sales. I've been here for three, four years. What else can I do? And typically they shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know, sell more homes, <laughs> hire yeah. an assistant, you know, whatever. Yeah. And there's not like a really dynamic good answer for that. And some of that is because it's a static company. It's not growing. Yeah. And so, you know, just just at our own little company here in, in Denver, Colorado, um, Many of the people that are in leadership, in fact, wait a minute, all of the people that are in leadership and that have uh, some type of um, director type role were people that did well in sales and that then said, what else can I do? I want to have a bigger impact. I want to you know, go and, and try my hand at leadership or at training or at director yeah. of operations or whatever. And we were able to say, absolutely. Why were we able to say that? Well, because because their desire met what we needed. That's what that, and that, yes. and that's, that's a huge thing. And so if they had the desire, but we didn't have the need because we weren't growing, then those people, and rightfully so, would probably say, well, it's been fun, but I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that whole idea of like, how big does Thrive need to be? Uh, it needs to be as big as it should be in order to retain all the dreams of the people that are here now. Yeah. And that are going to come in the future. And so if that means 5,000 agents, then it'll be 5,000. If it means 500, then it'll be 500. Yeah. And I, I think about scaling the impact is. and we go back to those three things. We go back to scaling the impact that an advisor has on a client. Yep. Scaling the impact that Thrive has on the individual advisor building their better life. Mm. And then, and then it, it all starts here and trickles down, but scaling leadership Yes. So that you have coaches and guides. We like to use this word Sherpa. Yep. But you have a Sherpa. You have a guide in helping move teams of people, teams of individuals to their better lives. Yeah. Right. And then huge. the scaling, the fulfillment that those leaders, the existing leaders and the going to be leaders, yep. right? the, the leaders in waiting, um, the kind of fulfillment and the kind of significance that they feel when they see their direct efforts impacting how successful somebody else is able to be. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm reminded of a quote that I had on my whiteboard for probably five plus years from one of my mentors, Chris, where he said, and I didn't understand this for a long time and it, it, it resonates now more than ever where he said, systems don't create culture. They enable it. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at is we have this phenomenal culture. We're making a phenomenal impact in Denver real estate. Yeah. But in order for that culture to be enabled and scaled, we have to have more predictability around the systems of scaling that culture. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's a great quote too, because if you don't have that, if it's devoid, what ends up happening is it, it's a little bit like the, um, the age old, uh, you know, kindergarten game where I whisper something to you, you whisper something to the next person, and, and so the so the game goes. Yeah. And by the time it gets to the thirtieth kid, it's not at all what I said. It's right. not even close. Like it, yeah. it gets, you know, muddled along the way, misconstrued, misunderstood, misheard, literally. And so, um, and so, without a, a system of uh, repetitive, predictable, um, clear line of sight into exactly how to do things, mm-hmm. y- you begin to. Not that creativity is important, it is, but if it's just wide open and no systems and, and no um, no benchmarks and no no numbers to go along with it, yeah. it's all subjective. It, it's all just whatever you think is 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 right. And I, I've got this. I'm gonna read this quote because I I love this quote. I don't even know who said it, so I can't give proper context here. But it wasn't. It was probably me. It was go probably ahead. you, like as as usual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the quote is this as, as it pertains to um, you know this idea of uh, accountability measurement scoreboarding all of which again sounds feels and looks like corporate yeah. at face value but it's this it says uh, we often dodge measurement or accountability because it allows us to engage in activity that feels productive without the risk of failure. Oh, right. That wasn't me, but that's a great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go with it. That's not- um, but it is. It's it, so so. All of a sudden, you could think about um, you could think about a pickup game. Yeah. Pick your favorite sport: basketball, soccer, volleyball, whatever. You're playing a pickup game. No one really cares, right? You're just the, like, the accountability is not super high. We're, I mean, drink yeah. some beers, play volleyball, whatever. Like, you know, m- maybe someone in the back's keeping score. Probably not. No one really cares. You're just there to have fun and, and do your thing and whatever. But as soon as as soon as there's a scoreboard involved, mm-hmm. like if it's a basketball game, the squeak of the sneakers tends to pick up a little bit, <laughs> right? right? All of a sudden, everyone's playing with a little bit more intensity. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, everyone's like engaged and the best of them comes out. And that's where, you know, I would argue that growth and advancement and these things that we hold dear, they happen. The game is more meaningful. The right? game's more meaningful. It yeah. matters all of a sudden because yeah. there's because there's accountability. And, and I'm not even talking about um, accountability or scoreboarding or measurement with other people because I think you and I both would, would champion this idea of what really matters is the scoreboarding with yourself yeah. and becoming that best version of, yeah. of, of who you are. And uh, it was like the way you say it is, are you operating right now at your dead level best? Mm-hmm. In other words, is there anything more you could engage in? Is there any more time you could spend? Could you get up earlier? Could you stay up later? Could you have more intention? Could you devote yourself more in this area? And if the answer is yes, then do it and, and become that, yeah. that version of yourself. Yep. Well, as we, as we start to wind down on this topic, um, I want to touch on one thing that I wrote down while you were talking. I, I need to name something. Yeah. Right? We, we've we used this word several times, corporate. Ah, yes. And we avoid that like the plague. Yeah, because no one likes it. I don't either. But it's but it's a I think it's a misnomer. What we're really trying to name is um, what we define as corporate 
what feels bad to us about that is it feels impersonal. Yes. Right? That's that's you know, like I'm helpful, watching yeah. your face as I say it's that. It's like one layer low and level deeper. Yep. What you, does it really mean? Yeah, you call it one thing, but it's actually yeah. this. Office and, space, that movie yeah. comes to mind. Dude, such, really? a good, well, such a good movie. <laughs> I needed you to come in on Sunday too. <laughs> so what do you <laughs> what, are, what do you say you do here? <laughs> um, it doesn't feel good, and, and this this gets into a deeper psychological thing, yeah, right? But 100%. you and I are both very passionate about this. Um, one of our basic human needs that we all share is this need for acceptance and belonging, mm, connection. Right? Yeah, and I want to go back to this word certainty. Mm-hmm. Right? What feels really impersonal to me is where. I don't know where I stand within an organization or a tribe. Or if you I'm, matter. I'm not sure. If that was exactly where I was going next, right? I'm not sure of my place in my role here. And I'm not actually sure if I matter. Yeah. If I'm valuable or not. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's the threat is take any tribe, take any family. As that family grows, go back to your analogy about the, the, the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Right? As, you, as you birth more children. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> And the family grows from one kid to two kids to three kids. The kids are asking themselves, like, where is my place in all of this? And, uh, yeah. and do I matter as much to mom and dad as I used to? Right. And so then you think about Thrive going from four people to 10 people to 20 people to 60 people to, you know, whatever, you know, hundreds yeah. of people. Naturally, there are going to be individuals in that organization that are going to go, hey, it used to be much smaller. And I knew that I mattered and I knew what my role was mm. and I knew that I was valuable. And now I'm not actually sure. Yeah. Because I don't get as much time and yeah. I don't get as much attention as I used to. And I'm not as close to the source mm-hmm. as what I used to be. And am, am I really valuable? And there's people here that don't even know my name. Right. And I've been here for eight years or whatever it is. And the things that I'm doing now are very different from the things that I was doing three years ago or five years ago yeah. in my career. And it, and it looks and feels very different. We have tech platforms that didn't exist. Yep. We yep. have support people that didn't exist. Teams that didn't exist. Totally. Yep. And so I think part of navigating the change of growth in a healthy, sustainable way is good conversation for a different day. But um, what can we do as an organization, as a tribe? And then what can the individual within the tribe do to make sure that each person knows their place, Yeah. they know be- they belong, and they know that they matter? Yeah. I love that because it is... It is a two-way street. I think a lot of times, especially in our industry with real estate, mm-hmm. the the individual who's joining the organization, yeah. in this case, the agent or the, the team member, if it's a support person, um, joining the organization oftentimes expects or anticipates that the organization is there to receive them in full and, and make them feel perfectly you know, welcomed and the whole thing. Well, all of that is true. However... That's very much a two-way street. Yeah. And, right? So, yeah. so it has to be engaged both ways, meaning the person who's joining needs to be cognizant of, I, I need to actively, volitionally find my place in this organization, create relationships, yes. reach out, be awkward as, as joining any t- new team is, um, put yourself out there, which has an element of risk to it, yeah. and, and find you know, the, the place. And, and of course, in an organization like ours of 70, you're not going to be best friends with all 70. You might not be best friends with any of them, but hopefully there's, there's a way in which if the organization, the the team and the individual both kind of meet in the middle, so to speak, and both take steps towards one another to actually 
uh, create a relationship, even if it remains professional and it doesn't get you know super super friendly. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a really really big deal to fight against the idea or the feeling of it being quote quote uh, corporate. And I yeah yeah that that tees up our next episode actually. <laughs> I don't even think we meant to do that, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, it's really good. So maybe we round out there. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, just as a review, I think, again, if you're listening in on this and you're from outside of Thrive and you're going, I don't know the dynamics of your company. But by, by the way, this is not unique to us. No. I, we're talking about it all through the Thrive lens, but we could talk about this through many different lenses. Oh, totally. hundred percent. That's what I'm hoping that if the, if the uh, listener is from a different company or a different industry for that matter. Shoot. You could be going through this at your church, at your kid's school. Totally. Um, Soccer team, your, your business, whatever it is. Yep. Um, change is inevitable. It's going to happen as, as an organization matures, just like a, a human being. We, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, and then the idea of, are we becoming corporate? And I love the, the realization or the insight of really what that means is, do I feel connected? Do I feel like I matter? Mm. And there's, there's two ways of thinking about that, one through the team member and then one through the, the organization with, within that. Uh, and then, you know, for us has... Has our target changed or are we hiring, you know, different types of people now? And, and the idea for us is no. It just so happens that now we have the tools and the words yeah. and the descriptions to more clearly define it, which is we have to have that. Otherwise, we end up doing the accidental success thing yeah. and getting tossed around by the, the industry. Before it was all based on feel. Yeah. And you could kind of, you could, you could, like, you knew it when you saw it. Yeah. But, but that's not super scalable. It's not scalable. No. Yeah. So we, if anything, we've had to get more forensic about yeah. identifying the things that we're looking for. They're not different. They're just maybe more clearly identified and honed in. Yep. Subjective yeah. is a great way to say it. And, and I know we said we we're going to wrap up. I go one more, <laughs> one more little surprise anecdote. Surprise. Yeah. When I, when, when, um, when I was interviewing and I'm a, I'm a bad interviewer. I don't, I don't interview well. Um, but when I was doing it, I literally had two criteria. Yeah. It, one was you can't have any real estate experience whatsoever. <laughs> you can't even spell the word realtor. It's probably a bad example because a lot of people still can't spell it. But but uh, I didn't want anybody with experience. That's, of course, changed. And then number two, I had to be able to imagine myself skiing with you all day. Right. And just you, not diluted in a big group of people, but just all day. And to me, if that were, uh, you know, boring or... Um, yeah, frustrating or whatever. I was like, no, it's not going to work because I just knew we were going to spend so much time together. Yeah, you know, and I we'd really get to know one another because, like you said, it was it was five people. We we had our company meeting at Starbucks, literally, right, like right around the corner at Fillmore. <laughs> you can't do that anymore, right? It's it, it takes systems and and like you said, more clarity and more descriptions and more. This is exactly who we're looking for. Yeah. Um, because the whole idea of yeah, I can't imagine myself skiing with you, so therefore we're not a good fit. That, that ain't gonna work anymore. Yeah. So so yeah, I love I love that picture of the past and and one example, really concrete example of. That recruiting methodology is great if you want to have four to seven, eight, eight people. Yeah. If you're looking to scale impact and provide growth so that the people at your company can actually achieve what they want to achieve and move into other branches of the company and other other uh, leadership positions and whatnot. Yeah. That leadership, that that type of um, um, recruiting is not going to get you there. That's right. Right. And so yeah. that's a really pointed example of just how things had to change. Um, in in the last 10 years that we've been doing this so yeah yeah love it good stuff let's wrap it up yep